What, we recording? We are recording. recording. Okay, sweet. I was just waiting for you to do your hello, everybody. Thing. <laughs> Sounded just like you. <laughs> so today we had a really cool interview with CEO of Caspian. His name is Kunal Chopra. Yep. Um, lives right here in Spokane. Well, splits time between here and Seattle, I guess he said. Uh, fun interview. What did we talk about, Ben? Oh, a little bit of everything. What it was like to grow up in India. Bollywood father, growing up in the movie scene a little bit. Indian food. Indian food. Talked about creating a culture and a publicly traded entity, being accountable to shareholders. Uh, His first role as CEO, but many executive roles with publicly traded companies in the past and startups as CEO. So really fun, uh, diverse background of uh, roles. Yeah, I think everybody can learn something from that. That interview today. Yeah, it was fun. So, Good stuff. Yeah. So here we go. Episode 131. Or 32. <laughs> I'm going with 131. Sure. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. They were not not New York, uh, Albany. And I was told that you're not, clo- you're not you're not allowed to call it Albany. It's Albany, apparently. Oh. <laughs> it's on the East Coast. It's New York. Right. It's all this. It's, <laughs> it's awesome over here. It's... Yeah, I feel it's I would call state. it Albany just to upset people then. Yes. That's like when they're like, so you live like in Seattle. It rains a lot in Spokane, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. You're like, well, you know, it rains a lot in Washington, four hours in a mountain right. range across the, uh, right. a little ways away. Oh, hang on. It's not Spokane. It's, yeah. you know, Spokane. Spokane. Yeah. 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 That's Seriously. the other one. <laughs> Gonzaga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where that basketball team is, isn't it? <laughs> Gonzaga. Yeah. That's, yeah, you're just, you're just insulting me all types of, up. Yeah, it's, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should, you should try throwing some uh, UK names at people in, in America and have them pronounce them. Anything with a <laughs> S-H-I-R-E, they think it's Hobbitland, it's like Shire, and it's like, that. that's sure. Like, <laughs> you know, Leicestershire, not Shire. Shire, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We're not in Middle Earth. <laughs> not in Middle Earth. Well, you know, but right. did you get a chance to... Read over the document. Yes, I said. So you I have did. a little bit I of did. an idea. At least yes, I'm not. I'm not brand new to it. Yes, I did. Okay, and yeah. I did check out a few episodes too. Just oh, fun. Oh, good. <laughs> Which ones? Just random. Stuff. Okay. Cool. I never know if just that's just a good thing or a bad. I know. Thing. <laughs> I know. Like whether the topics or the interviews. It's like, uh oh. Yeah, right. we but we we jump around a little bit. Um, I actually listened to. We're recording already, by the way. So if oh, okay. We need to take out. We'll take out. I like to jump start. A little organic. Yeah, I like it. That's a but um. Yeah, because often we catch stuff when you're just doing the intro right. and getting to know each other, and you forget to talk about it during the episodes. Right. I learn just to press record. Yeah. <laughs> the best content is when you don't know that you're recording, yeah. usually. There right? you go. But there yeah. you go. But general format is we do an intro, we talk, we're going to ask you questions about the company, about you, what you've done, why you do it, um, and then we're going to dive in a little bit on some of the answers. And yeah, a lot of it just comes up organic, very conversational. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Let's do it. There's no nothing regimented. And if there's something that needs to be taken out, or if we ask a question, you're like, I can't answer that. <laughs> just let us know. Because we might ask ask questions that, you know, yeah, yeah, please being a yeah, publicly yeah. traded company might not want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. So first off, we usually ask folks, um, I guess we should do an introduction. Yeah. And, and how Kunal came to sit down here with us. So 
neither of us actually know Canal personally, and I'm saying it right, correctly, Canal? It's perfect. Okay. Yeah. So, can I jump in on that? Yeah. I listened to an episode of a podcast you did with someone, and he kept saying Canal, and it was upsetting me, because even when you talked about yourself in third party and said Canal, right. he kept saying it wrong, and I was agitated. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Which uh, That was... Yeah. He just uh, obviously wasn't <laughs> listening. To, yeah. yeah. Wasn't listening. So... Yeah, it's Canal. Canal. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, I had always paid attention to Green Cupboards mm-hmm. back in the, when they first started out Green That's Cupboards, right. and my family actually did the original website for Green Cupboards. Oh, you did? With wow. Josh Nevelet and Tom Simpson when it launched. And before it was on Amazon, before it was an e-commerce, like, you know, true e-commerce platform. And then, so that's how I actually knew them through Gonzaga and Tom with his in, uh, involvement in the Hogan program. So I've always watched Etails, had a lot of friends work at Etails. Right. I went, obviously, Green Cupboards to Etails. Right. Name change then. And so watched the different progression of Etails and uh, came in and spoke with the staff at one point about financial planning and everything like that. And uh, had a lot of friends that worked there, went through the buyout. And so. Uh, familiar with that whole situation and I've always found the company interesting so when you took over I was like huh we should have Canal on the podcast like LinkedIn is a beautiful thing we are going to utilize LinkedIn to reach out to Canal. you you only came out came to me two years later (laughs) yeah he only showed up two years late (laughs) Uh, but you showed up nonetheless and so here we are uh, sitting down with Canal Chopra 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 I'm getting them right the first time okay good (laughs) Canal Chopra CEO of Cast Caspian, which is now Green Cupboards Details, Caspian, and Transworld lumped in there, too? That's right. It's all one now. (laughs) Now it's all Caspian. So uh, that is going to be one of my questions, a little bit about the brand of the company Mm -hmm. and how it all came to be. But first off, tell us a little about yourself. I know you grew up in India, right? That's right. Yeah, I grew up in... Partially, at least, part of the time. Yeah, I grew up in Mumbai in India and studied there, got my bachelor's in engineering there from the University of Mumbai. wanted to study more. So applied to a number of universities here in the U.S., got accepted to Clemson, the only university that was willing to give me a scholarship because at the time I had really no money. And so I came to Clemson to get my master's in computer science, got recruited to Microsoft, spent six years there, and then one career after another to Caspian. So you were in Mumbai for how long? Almost 20 years. Yeah, that's where I grew up. Got my engineering there. What, What did your folks do there? My mom was a housewife. I mean, she was yeah. at home. And my father made Indian movies. He was a producer in Bollywood movies. Okay, in we're going to talk about that a little more. Oh, yeah. That sounds really that is, Yeah. And people get surprised because I'm, I'm, I have a tech background. And, you know, they keep wondering, like, what? what? You, you, have, you have no association with film? And I'm like, literally none. <laughs> but that's what my dad did. He really? just made movies, yeah. So were you on the set of movies as Absolutely, a kid? all the time. I would, I, that's how I grew up in, you know, movie sets, parties, uh, Actors, actresses. That no was kidding. that was my life. Oh. And I mean, Bollywood from a financial standpoint. I mean, that looks down on Hollywood, right? There's a I, lot I of money in Bollywood. There's a lot of money, and but the number of movies that Bollywood makes is a lot more than any other film industry in the world. Really, um, definitely hmm. more than Hollywood. Just in terms of the That's number cool. of movies That's that come fun. out. Yeah. That would be a crazy world to grow up in. Okay, craziest <laughs> Bollywood story. What did you? What as a child? What do you remember as one of the most like standout experiences? I don't know if there were any specific standout experience experiences, but I think the one that uh, that intimidated me a lot was just be, you know there was an actor very big and large and one of these like, really tall actors, yeah. and I wasn't really used to you know anyone holding me or picking me up, but he in his outfit 
that he was was wearing at the time picked me up like, really costume, high in, yeah. in his costume that was very scary when I was a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right exactly did you spend any time in the UK at all no no okay. I only asked because I I'm sure you know that the Indian culture is a big part of UK yes. culture as well, especially yes. the food. Yeah. So I'm still to find a, a top-notch Indian restaurant here in Spokane. There's there's Indian restaurants, but I really do miss Indian food and good Indian food. There's a few places I've been in the US that are wonderful. Spokane isn't one of them for Indian food. That's probably true. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, any secret hidden spots? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I not that I've found any. Very generic, right? It's Correct. Like you have yes. three different kinds of curry, and it's like, well, do you do... And when you ask for specific kinds, they kind of... No, we don't do that. Now, the UK has a big Indian population, I know. Yeah, huge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, very much so. Um, well, India was part of the British Empire That's at one right. point, unfortunately. Not, not a history that I like to... Um, hold on to but the English certainly do <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the English anyway especially when it comes to yeah, soccer so I'm Scottish yeah. ah okay so, <laughs> that yeah. makes sense <laughs> um, Scotland yeah Scotland so Scottish sports Scottish. wise cricket cricket would be up there yeah <laughs> tennis you would play be number I don't I don't play as such in the sense you know yeah you don't get out and but you know if, if if a bunch of folks in when I was in Seattle would play, I would just go join them as yeah. such. But it wasn't a routine of sorts. Yeah. yeah. So were you working for Transworld prior to coming over? As so they recruited you to Etails. Correct. From a Seattle corporation. What did you leave in Seattle? Microsoft. Come? You were so working at Microsoft a, yeah, at the time. Okay. I was a general manager at Microsoft in a in worldwide learning, one of their divisions there, and they recruited me. Transworld recruited me into Etails to go run Etails. So did you? Got recruited to Microsoft originally, or did you do some time in between at other firms? Are you a no, Microsoft? I have, I have, I'm a and boomerang then to Microsoft. And then Microsoft back? Correct. Boom, yes. you're okay, you're a yes. Microsoft boomerang. Okay. Yes, yeah. I'm a Microsoft boomerang. So I spent time, just to complete the story, I spent six years at Microsoft, got my MBA from the University of Chicago, so left Microsoft at the time, then did a bunch of other things. I was a director of product at Groupon, I was the operating officer for a startup in the Seattle area, I was a general manager at Amazon, then boomerang back to Microsoft then got the transfer job or details job. Yeah. <laughs> What's been your favorite so far? Oh, that's a tough one. Ugh. Caspian. <laughs> yeah, of course you're going to say that. You're there now. Yeah. <laughs> well, my board members are listening. Yeah. <laughs> I hope your board members are listening. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you said you spent time in Chicago? Six Correct. years? Yes, I was uh, no, th- uh, two and a half years there a half. when I was getting my MBA. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in Chicago as well. In now that is one city that I love. Yeah. I like to visit. I've I don't never been live to Chicago. There, yeah. We gotta get. I gotta get to Chicago. Yeah, you'd like it. Yeah, that's what Lauren says too. She, my wife, she's like, you would love Seattle or Seattle, uh, Chicago. Great Seattle. art scene. Lauren would love Chicago. The yeah. art scene. Well, in Chicago her family's there. That's where her folks went to school. Mm-hmm. Was at Northwestern, and so they were there often. Yeah, yeah family and, there. And, but I just the, gone. The, and the city has a has a certain art vibe to it, but. I think it has an, it has a different impression. Before I went to Chicago, I always thought, "Well, this is a this, there's no way I'm going to fit in." And but the downtown is so clean. It's a great culture, great art scene, just a beautiful place. Yeah, worth visiting at least. Yeah. All right. So let's stick to cities. You came here from Seattle directly. Yes, from Seattle. Are you That's splitting right. time in Spokane, or are you full time in Spokane now? I'm splitting a little bit, so I still go back and forth, especially with COVID mm-hmm. right now. You know, everyone's been working from home, so I've been doing a lot more back and forth. Okay. <laughs> cool. Do you have a pr- what's in Seattle that keeps you there? I do have a house there too, and a house here. Well, yes. Yeah. So you're just telecommuting back there. <laughs> just so back and see forth. friends and community over see there. See friends weekends. I'll go there for a bit. Nice. Do you have there. family here? Kids? Yes. Anything? Okay. Got a wife and a son and a dog. 
Wife, son, and dog. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Are they in Seattle or here? Right now they are. Okay, yeah, so they come know, with you back and yes, forth? Yes, okay. yes. And weekends, so, like this weekend, for example, we plan to go back to Seattle. Because I was going to say, that's hard with a kiddo if they're in school, too. He's young. He's only four and a half. So, so not quite school. Not okay. quite yeah. true school. So <laughs> what's going to be the residence for school? Oh, it's going to be Spokane. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. of course. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's tough with uh, right. with kids, too, because it's fun to travel. The idea of having like, two residents, I've always said, like, let's split time somewhere warmer. Right. But then it's like, well, what do you do with schooling? That's right. That's right. Yeah, and we are in the Kendall Yards area right now. Oh, how cool. I love that place. Oh, so we can just, like, see that's your house from here. Yeah, I'm in the high oh. lane there. Okay. I just love that whole area. It's it's beautiful. It's yeah. And mm-hmm. Very easy transition from Seattle over to I'm sure. the Spokane area. Comfortable. Yeah, I love it too. I mean, right. I walk the dogs, and walk the there's dogs. always something going on. You know, you can go down the trail, you can go to the shops. And yeah, I love it. Yeah, and that whole area, that whole trail area, is just so gorgeous. There, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. All right, I want to dive into Caspian slash Etails a little bit. Obviously, it's Caspian now. I mm-hmm. think most people in Spokane still refer to it as Etails. So there's obviously been a rebrand in mm-hmm. there that I think at the corporate level is obviously taken, but outside. And then, can you explain? And this is this is going to be a fun question. What Caspian and e- what Caspian does, what Etail started as doing, what Transworld was doing, and why they came together. Right, right. So I'll start with what Caspian does, and I'll give you the history of you know how that how Transworld transitioned into Caspian. But uh, at Caspian, our mission is to optimize and grow brands on today's leading online marketplaces, such as Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Target, Kroger, others. Basically, we provide a complete platform of software and tech-enabled services to help you grow your brand online. We work in three different business models with actually four right now. We introduced a new one, but three kind of primary, kind of yeah. primary business models. The core is a retail model where we just buy inventory from a brand and then using our platform, we sell it on different marketplaces. We launched an extension to that model called agency where we don't take an inventory, but we use our same platform and just serve as an extension of your e-commerce team, just like an agency would. And then we've also commercialized our technology, our software, as a software as a service offering for so for brands who want to take their operations in-house and manage their whole marketplace distribution, they can use our software. And then recently we on, we launched a fourth model which is called acquisitions where we are bri- buying brands as well. So we're just owning the entire supply chain and using our own technology to own the brand, own the manufacturing relationship and just grow those brands online. So multiple models wherever you are in your life cycle as a brand, we are there to help so you. So is the you. fourth one in M&A? Is that what I'm hearing? Like essentially to funnel your first operation? In, in, yes, in a in way. Essence, so if, if yeah. we have a relationship with a brand in this retail model where we buy inventory, there are still hops in the middle by the time it gets to, the, you know, manufacturer, for example, will manufacturer send it to, you know, the, there's, ma- there's margin yeah. in the middle, right, that, that is lost. So if we can control the whole value chain, that's, that's us. Okay, because you guys, I thought I read that you had just raised 30 million? 13. 13? Yeah, 13.5. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. And was, is that used then on the M&A side? Hence yes. the fourth edition of Correct. the fourth. Okay, so part of that capital sense. will be used to you know, explore acquisitions, which we have a strong pipeline for. Plus we're investing in tech and you know, just operations as well. Yeah, showing things up, getting it. Right. Yeah. So that's Caspian. And Etails used to be only a third-party seller on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So the first retail model where you're buying wholesale on Amazon only was really the focus of Etails. So what we did was we transitioned Etails from that core model into Caspian, this multi-marketplace, omni-channel, multiple distribution models model. And 
Transworld Entertainment, which is the third piece of the story, is they used to own E-Tales, but they also owned a set of brick-and-mortar stores called FYE, Foyer Entertainment, which was selling DVDs and mm -hmm. CDs in a brick-and-mortar format. That business, as you can imagine, wouldn't last too long. Very no successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no one's going to the yeah. store to buy DVDs anymore. Who has a DVD player? <laughs> right. I have a Blu-ray player. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you still go to Redbox, don't you? No. Okay. Not for the last couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> I think we even have a VHS player out at the lake, but the last time I tried to put a VHS in, I put it upside down and backwards, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I was like, crap, this isn't right. Something's wrong here. What's going on? I can't remember how to put a VHS in. Right. So we sold FYE as part of Transworld Entertainment to focus solely on e-tails. And then oh, we have this holding company called Transworld Entertainment, with the only asset was e-tails. So, which that would make sense. And yeah. everyone, the, the industry knew Transworld as really a brick and mortar retailer. And so we wanted to change that perception as well with the public company. And so we decided to rebrand and that turned into Caspian. So you sold the brick and mortar, you said? We or? sold FYE, which was part of Transworld, but that brick and mortar set of stores are sold, yes. How much did FYE make up of the revenues of Transworld, though? At the time when we sold it, it was probably, oh, uh, about $100 million or so. Around well, that time, and that how what is Transworld's total revenues like as a percentage of it? How much today? Uh, yeah, no prior before when they sold it off. I think it was uh, Etails was probably sixty forty, like sixty percent was Etails, and okay, then okay, that's the, you know, that's and, what I was asking. That, yeah, because yeah. I was I was like, how much of Etails right. made up that Caspian merger? Correct, right? correct. Because that was part of the interesting thing was it's like I remember we were going like oh like this Transworld right. which was probably created entity but. Smaller, I thought. Right. Then actually, Etails is actually yes. acquiring one, which was an odd and, way and to uh, acquire. The revenues of that trans, the FYE piece of Transworld was declining over time because of what we just discussed on the DVD yeah, sales and everything. Yeah. So, so this was very strategic acquisition then. Oh, absolutely. So the the reason Transworld even acquired Etails was to really figure out a, a omni-channel story there. You know, can we use online? Can we use marketplaces to? And complete the story for our did, brands. Did they, they almost like had a SPAC in place with a business that was dying and took their SPAC and right. moved it to, right. <laughs> to a different business? Right. right. Well, yeah. I'm curious as to the uh, the interest and in even to spend any money on acquiring FYE unless it was for the name to then rebrand it as a different business entity. Because is FYE still around as a brick and mortar entity? It is. But okay. Yeah, we just divested that. Okay. Yeah. Somebody else's. That's what I'm saying. Someone Business bought that. Someone bought now. that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know the reasons, but you know why they decided that. Yeah. Because you, know. you used to you used to not be able to walk through a mall without seeing an FYE. Correct. It, but the blue and the yellow, right? Was the branding and it was it, like a, correct? Yeah. Yes. 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 It was all around the place. I, I think one point of time we had um, two thousand stores or so. It was that oh, big? Seriously? Yes. It was huge. big. Yeah, no kidding. Huge. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember seeing this. Maybe we didn't have them. I think if I looked up the the logo like afterwards, you would you would be like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that. Okay. Right. Yeah. We'll have to look it up later. Right. But <laughs> So you've written a couple books as well. Yes. And, and like it's so been a while We're though. gonna get off track and we'll come back and it'll all gloop around. Mm -hmm. But I know I was looking through I was like, there is a lot of how to guides from Canal. Yeah. This is a while back, just to be clear though. Okay. <laughs> but yes, yes, I did I, I used to write a lot. I do write a lot in general, but uh, in in the format of a book. I think two thousand eighteen was the last time I published something. It's been a couple of years. It's been a few self publish years. or how do you self publish, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. This is just my passion at the time and I still write but I 
I haven't published anything officially. I think self-publishing is a way to go these days. Especially, I mean, if you can sit down and record as well. I mean, look how easy we're recording. Absolutely. Usually high quality. I mean, you can do audiobooks now and make more money off of that than you can in paperback. 100%. One of his books, which I liked the name because it goes along with our title, Ordinary to Extraordinary, was from average to executive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was like the same method, like same idea behind it. Mm -hmm. What's the premise of the book? If a a guy from Mumbai can who had literally no money, who came to the U.S. with six thousand dollars in his pocket, can make it to the CEO of a public company, anyone can. So from average to executive, it was really a story and some of my learnings through that. What would you say the steps are? Because I know you like a step by step how to guide from what I'm seeing and some of the other ones. Yeah, I mean the the general premise is you know you've got to start with a vision for your life and work backwards from that. I like the Jeff Bezos regret minimization framework. I don't know if you've heard of that, Mm-mm. but he has this framework which he calls the regret minimization framework, which is, you know, imagine yourself, you're 80 years old, you're in your deathbed, as, you know, hopefully people will live longer than that. And then, you know, what would you regret the most when you're sitting on that, on your deathbed? And, you know, are you executing on that today? And that's what got him to start Amazon because he really put himself on his deathbed many, many years into the future and work backwards from there. And that's why there's a principle at Amazon called working backwards. Everything is, you know, you work backwards from some goal, from a customer experience, from some product launch. And so for me, that's been the framework that's helped guide me is, you know, what was that vision for yourself? And can you work backwards and create a path to that? So for me, it was always, you know, I wanted to be a CEO. You're going to ask the same question I'm going to ask? I don't know. I was going to make a statement, not ask a question. I was going to say that resonates with me because I'm in the same place as you. I came here at 21. Right. Um, At one point, didn't even have $6,000. And now I look back and go, geez, how did I, how did I live making as much as I made back then? Yeah. And yeah, I think anybody can, but not very many people do exactly what you talk about where if you ask them what they want to achieve it's like they, they'll give you green words right and it's like no 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 no. be specific have the goal and then to your point work backwards not enough people do that the working backwards Build part the steps. is lost on a lot of people yeah. right reverse engineer it yeah so a good a very simple example i knew i always wanted to be ceo i didn't know i didn't have a lot of you know profit and loss and you know understanding how to manage a pnl like yeah. that sort of experience i went and joined a startup you know, and became COO there at a employee number five to go and learn how businesses are run and, you know, raise capital and just start. Even though I was making good money at Microsoft, you know, went and decided to join a startup. Like I knew I wanted to add the skills to get me to CEO one day. Yeah. And so, you know, but if you don't have that goal that you want to be CEO, how are you going to you know, figure yeah. out what do you need to get there? So why, so my question was going to be like, so let's extrapolate your next steps as far as because you said you had a vision right you're looking back when you're 80 it's like so ceo was one but obviously you still have hopefully (laughs) till you're 80 i'm not sure how old you are i'm not (laughs) going to guess but you got a four-year-old so i can't i can kind of guess but so i want to know what's the vision look like then for the next 20 years and then why did you want to be ceo why be ceo so because there's a lot of headache that comes with being the guy in charge. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that, but that isn't that fun? <laughs> it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But for some people, they look at that and they're like, "God, that sounds terrible." <laughs> you know. Right. No, no. For me, I mean, I've always enjoyed or 
always looked up to you know strong leaders who have been in that ceo suite mm-hmm. you know, and that has motivated me since my childhood and you know growing up that's been you know just just looking at some of the greats in in the field i mean i was motivated a lot by jeff bezos by satya nadella you know bill gates at the time like these were all folks i looked up to growing up and you know there was always a wonder on how do you get to a position like that you know outside of starting your own company which yeah. is obviously an option as well yeah but and and so there was a lot of motivation from childhood so at at some level but then then you comp- you add to that your skills and what do you, what do you who are you and how strong are you and what are your strengths mm-hmm. and i always knew that my strengths were really in in general management i mean i was really good or i am good at you know being able to set strategy set direction motivate people set a vision for people translate that into good quality operations manage relationships with people all the skills that a ceo should have mm-hmm. and so being able to you know work from a vision backwards like i mentioned motivate some childhood experiences that got me excited combine that with the skills and then you land up with you know this is my dream to yeah. be a ceo yeah. has the second part though was the next 20 years yeah right so i i think for now th- yes long long term right you know my my vision is to run a global company a very big global company and the plan right now is to get casp into that level very so cool. you know right now we are very small we are a small cap company we will i w- i will be satisfied when we can take casp into be a fortune 500 company well, small is relative Perfect. right yeah. in yeah. terms of spokane you're not a small company correct yes so <laughs> um you know if you want to compare yourself to fortune 500 um which incidentally global i don't think i mentioned to you we had a big part here about that global Fortune 500, Forbes list, the 500, 380 yeah. now I think it is. Um, but uh, what you said and how you said it is really important. And you said you wanted to be CEO. You didn't say you wanted to be in charge, right? Right. And you kept saying vision and strategy and the things that a CEO is supposed to focus mm-hmm. on. And I think often the the misconception. I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, mm. so he talks about CEOs should be called CVOs, right. Chief Vision Officers, mm-hmm. right? Because that's their job. and often people are promoted within where just because you're mm. second in charge whether you're a COO or a CFO so you have all the purse strings right. they seem to be the next in line to be the CEO mm-hmm. and it's like that's a very different day to day like what you're focused on financially doesn't necessarily translate to being a CEO because CEO is strategy vision how do we work backwards we keep coming back to that exactly. right And I love how you said you wanted to be a CEO and not I wanted to be in charge because I think often people miss misalign the, the the being a CEO with being in charge and it's not often the CEO is told what to do as opposed to telling people what to do. I think you're absolutely right, right? And I always look at the CEO role as just one other pillar in a team of people that have other responsibilities as well. and you're right the responsibility of the ceo in that team is to set vision is to set strategy is able to translate that into effective operations it's not the person who is just calling the shots or is the person who has to say well i'm in charge here and in fact that's the wrong way to look at it technically mm-hmm. and um, you're, you're absolutely right yeah but they also have to be cognizant of the fact that if this all goes belly up it falls on their shoulders they're yeah they the are they're ultimate account ultimately they're accountable for everything mm-hmm. right success and failure and I mean especially more probably more it's it's amplified in the 
publicly traded. So with you guys being publicly traded and having venture capital, you know, yeah. at any point they can come and say, hey, we want our money back or we want to make more money or we want dividends. And right. you've got to be somewhat accountable to that, which makes it even harder, right? Yes. Because you've got to find the balance between culture and strategy and vision. And, and shareholders making money. Yes. <laughs> You're on the public eye, you know, as a public company. We are accountable to our shareholders to obviously you know, to, to the public at large, every single shareholder who buys a share with our company for twenty yeah. to twenty-five dollars, we're accountable to them, right? And and they're listening to our conference calls, and we've got results that we've got to deliver to. And so yes, there's some additional level of pressure as just a public company. That's what one of my questions was going to be, right? Is if you're you were COO of a private entity? Yes, so startup, startup, startup ish. We yeah. grew, yes, but. and then, but also obviously involved in, in varying management levels and executive levels. It sounds like of other publicly traded companies, but never Correct. as CEO of a publicly Correct. traded company. Correct, which is a whole different ball game. Correct. What was what have you learned or had to learn through being CEO of a publicly traded company? Like, oh, that was a little different than I expected it to be. Like, I'm not going to do that again. Maybe I fell on my face. Maybe something yeah. went sideways, or maybe it was like. Oh, this is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, one of the big things as part of being a public company, and alluded to it slightly, is just you're in the public eye, and you are in the const. You're constantly selling your strategy, your vision. You're constantly talking to investors. You're constantly selling your story as what your company is and what we do on a regular basis, which you may not have to do as a private enterprise as much. Of mm -hmm. course, you're always doing that to clients, etc. But you also yeah. have to translate that to. To, to investors. And so I've noticed ever since I took on the role as public, the public company CEO, not of e-tails, I've been doing a lot of that, a lot more of that, you know, yeah. a lot more PR, investor relations. That has been a big focus of ours as well, along with everything else that goes on. You did know, with you the job. What did you think it was going to look like? I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest, yeah. you know, I mean, I, and at some level I got, I got thrown into the job too, just to be very <laughs> honest. You got what? I got thrown into the, into the public oh, okay. company CEO job. So yeah. I didn't, I joined E-Tails, right? Yeah, so you I were going to be CEO of E-Tails. I was going to be CEO yeah. of E-Tails. I didn't know at the time we were going to sell FYE and, you know, and the CEO of Transworld is going to leave. And so, you know, none of that was part of the plan when I joined E-Tails. So that all happened at some level. So it's also been learning on the job. <laughs> How'd they approach you? on that well uh, it, it, it literally we had the first board meeting and they there was a vote and th my name was the only name on the table so you're like okay this is tricky <laughs> what the heck <laughs> I've, I've, I've never heard a story of someone being ceo by default <laughs> yeah it was just by it was literally by default it was the first board meeting the, the board did a vote uh, mine was the only name on the table and they just all voted yes but i mean <laughs> You're that, like, uh, wait, what's happening? <laughs> what's that, that has to be a reflection of what you did at E-Tails. So how long were you at E-Tails before this? It, uh, about six months, I would say. You must so have, out you of the must two years, six a, months, and then... You must yeah. have had a hell of a body of work in six months for people to be that confident that you could then yeah. pull both together. I don't want to say I did it, but yes, the team did a fantastic job over a period of time, very short period of time, yeah. to prove to the board that we have a strategy, we have a vision for Casp or for E-Tails, now Caspian, and you know how we can take the company from where it is to its next level of growth. So, I think we all collectively came together, and we were able to sell our vision very well to mm. the board mm. that it, that they were able to trust me and others, you know, to to take this ahead. So this is a it's probably a, an obvious question, but I'd love to sort of dive into the details of it. COVID obviously accelerated everybody's e-commerce right. Um, plan strategy yes, yes and by accelerator i mean some people didn't have one right 
and had to adapt quickly to and have it. All of a sudden, it. they do. So, with you guys being in that management space that mm-hmm. you mentioned, as, as like an agency, mm-hmm. was that a huge growth area for you guys last year where people didn't know how to do it and came to you guys to help and, and stand it up? You'll be surprised. It was the other way around, actually. So, we expected going into 2020 that the agency business would really pick up and grow like crazy and we had a plan for our retail you know business where we take an inventory position but once covid hit things started flipping the folks who were an agency were saying we don't want to pay any agency right now we just want to lay tight for the next six months we don't know what's Hmm. going on out there you know we we, they're cutting costs right that's the default strategy for a brand and then our retail business was picking up because people loved the fact that we had access to capital to buy inventory so there you know they were going to they were more than willing to sell their inventory to us. So hmm. what we did was just like a very agile company, we switched a lot of our our attention to that retail business. So we were buying a lot more inventory and we were selling it online. Wow. So not as okay. obvious an answer as I thought it was going to be. Correct. No. <laughs> and and I can relate to that in that so I do payments mm-hmm. um in the enterprise space mm-hmm. and everybody, like I said, they, even if they had a strategy, mm. last year accelerated it for us where right. hey we need we need omni-channel, we need it yesterday. Right. And we were, for the first six months of COVID, mm. so March through September, I'd never been busier. Wow. Yeah, it was it was spectacularly, it was a spectacular cluster, if I'm honest, because we were so busy that we had long waits to, to get people set up, but they never had an option otherwise because everybody mm. was the same. So, yeah, it really did accelerate strategies yeah. in the in the omni-channel COVID space. COVID was an interesting thing for businesses because I think a, there was it was one or the other. Like, businesses either struggled to just stay afloat and keep their doors open even when they were closed, I mean. Mm-hmm. And then I have clients and some folks where it's like a lot of them had their best year ever mm-hmm. yeah. from a revenue standpoint at least. And it's like, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and my general view on that is Situations like COVID are going to happen again. And the organizations who will win whenever a calamity or anything that else will happen is if you're agile and you can pivot and you have the operations to be able to pivot quickly and you can recognize situations and your ability to be able to pivot quickly is going to be the determinant on whether you succeed or fail. Well, you Mm -hmm. saw restaurants do to go. Exactly. They try to come up with different things, right? 100%. And some of them succeeded pretty well. They just flipped their model as as opposed to, you know, putting your hands up and saying, I give up here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to figure it out. If you're able to pivot quickly into a new model or something else, you're going to win. You make it work. You make it work. Adaptability was the key. I mean, you saw people resist and, no, we'll just shut down for a month. And then they realized that it was more than that. And they tried to open up in in limited ways and didn't really have the infrastructure in place, especially in the restaurant space. There's so many older mom and pop places, which unfortunately we'll never see again. Exactly. I know. Rocky Rococo's RIP. I'm not too upset. (laughs) And that was a choice, by the way. That was a Spokane staple, though. Yeah. So to to give you some insight into that, because I have unique insight, they had been looking to get out of the game for a while, mm. and really, COVID was just the excuse they needed Why to not sell. Done. There really wasn't a brand to sell. Once you once you ran the numbers, they 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 had a job. They didn't have a a business per se. So once well, they had a big space. Like they could have, like there's certain. That's the thing about businesses a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they they own the building. But no. I don't think they do because the Bennett Block's not owned by yeah. But that it, person that owned Rockies. But it's like cut some costs like yeah you can increase your margin well i often have this talk i get consulted a lot and mm-hmm. i often have the talk with someone where i'm like okay are you buying a business or are you buying something that 
Be a job or a business. Right. Yeah. So oh, this will pay point. 100 to 150 a year if you work it six days a week. Right. If you need to hire three staff and you're not going to be there, What's I don't know point? that it's worth it. Yeah. Right. You're going to give it a little lift, a little bump, but you've got additional um, liabilities, you've got additional costs, mm-hmm. and is it really worth your time and your effort to not make much more than you're making now? Right. So that that was kind of that situation. They were just ready to be out of it, and that building is still empty now because is it really? the, the lady's trying to sell it once she, she's got a pretty lofty valuation of it, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to pay the lease or oh, buy it. No, we know. Yeah. yeah. And she lost Rover out of there too. Mm-hmm. Which yep. is in here. No. So there you go. I just love this building. I got to be honest though. It's I've, a cool building. It is cool. I walked in this, you know, when I came to meet you folks and I was like, wow, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll do a walkthrough when we're done. You can see a little bit more, but yeah. it's, it's a spectacular spot. It's full now. Oh, is it really? Yeah. It's full now. It's, they've got a space. This is totally off topic on the far end mm-hmm. that's in the basement and it's an all granite walls it's all granite walls and like windows with a double staircase like, mm. like a staircase that goes down like speakeasy that needs to be a bar because it is so your cool. opulence if it's all granite uh granite rock just like oh, rough okay. cut not, Sorry, not yeah, no 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 not not the walls. Like that. no rough cut like rock <laughs> yeah granite okay. rock and wow. I was like, that would be the coolest, like, cheers-type bar, right? Go downstairs, wrap-around bar, cocktails down there. Plus, we don't have any good cocktail places over here. Oh, no? I, I don't know. Where do you go? I, I, I don't drink, so... Oh, well, then, yeah, that a, <laughs> so, <laughs> wrong question to ask. <laughs> then, nope. I was just surprised, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not really. I mean, Umi has a cool little bar mm. in the basement. Ne- never drank? No, I used to. I used to. I just haven't in the last... 15 years I do so. love a, a kingfisher <laughs> oh you do wow I thought when I was younger a lot younger <laughs> <laughs> you'd like a kingfisher as well Ben that's just a beer just a lager or something. Yeah, a it lager. is a lager yeah. it's strong though it's a strong lager oh, I don't know if it's probably changed over time but <laughs> yeah but um, how's Seattle for Indian food I hate to come back to that quickly but a, a, there's a lot more options okay, there I have to a little go better a lot more I'll have to give you a list next time you're in Seattle not only this Where Seattle, Seattle area but I'm in the Issaquah that area oh you are yeah okay. so on the on the east side I love yeah, Issaquah right. Issaquah and Bellevue are great yeah. cities I've got to go back in October for meetings but it's uh, we usually say downtown and we go just because my colleague has a, a condo there I see and uh, it's a blast actually when Seattle's on you get Seattle on a nice day right oh I that's mean, right minus some of the stuff that's going on right now downtown but it's getting cleaned up getting <laughs> yes. cleaned up um i was kind of one of the questions we kind of talk about is a little bit about routine and structure yeah right and so what yeah. is your daily i mean like you wake up in the morning what time do you wake up what's the morning routine look like yeah so mine is a little um people assume that i wake up very early and you know, people, <laughs> but i don't right yeah. so i'm i'm more of that you know, seven thirty, seven seven thirty kind of guy. That is really early for some people. Not <laughs> well, for me, but for some yeah. people. Right. And uh, typically, I, I wake up, get my coffee. But I the first thing I do is I, I, I have a very clear view on what my three priorities are for the day. So I try to keep my priorities from three to five. So I'm very crystal clear, like, this is what I want to get done today. So I do that. I go through my day. My evenings are, you know, I, I end by five thirty six or so. Calls, etc., etc. I'll spend time with my son for a period of time, and then I'm back online about eight o'clock or so again. And then I my second session typically starts. I, I saw your uh, your emails. 
And at the bottom of the email, it says, like, I'm responding to this at a time that's convenient to me. I, you're not expected to respond at the same that's time. That's right. Or Be- because I do like tend that. to work late then after that. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm late. I'm up pretty late, like almost till, you know, 1, 1 So I oh, get wow. about six to seven, you know, hours of sleep. That's my typical. But um, that's when, that's my quiet time. When my son sleeps and, you know, everyone's off, that's my quiet time where I'm really just focusing on. And, and does your wife strategy. work outside of the home? She's at home. She's been at. She's worked yeah. at home for the last twelve years or so. Yeah, yeah, just managing the household, making sure everybody's. And right. And just so listeners hear that again, you said work at home, and I love that because a lot of people think that stay-at-home mums don't work. <laughs> That's what we say. Work outside of the home too. It's in, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't say stay-at-home mom. Sometimes people take offense to that. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Work in the home or work outside yeah. the home. Sorry. I'm always offending someone. Oh, it doesn't matter how you say it. <laughs> yeah. As long as, you, yeah, a- anymore you can say something and someone's going to be yeah. offended. That's just kind of how. Yeah, but my routine is pretty, it's pretty standard. I just have some black great, coffee guy. Uh, no, I prefer it with some cream and you know sugar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things on that, I want to dive into culture a little bit at, yes. at Caspian. One of the things that I always thought of e-tails being known for and this is before your time my mm-hmm. time in Spokane so I've been here since 2009 but when I think of e-tails they were great at hiring young people right out of right. college yeah. putting them in, in positions mm-hmm. of empowering them um, and getting them ready but what I found was that the turnover was high it was like maybe right. two years and then out the door right right and a lot of them are in super successful positions now in mm-hmm. Spokane outside mm-hmm. of Spokane which I love so Obviously, retention is a huge piece of culture, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to be turning right. people over all the time. So how have you changed that? Because I, I noticed that not as many people are going and working there mm-hmm. straight out of college, but I also noticed there's people there that are, are starting to build tenure now. They've been there for Correct. a long time. Correct. So how was that, and what did you do to change that? So that was a big shift for us because the culture, as you rightly said, of the company was to bring in a lot of young people and then just put them in leadership positions and let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. Which was probably fine at that point of time in the company's evolution, but not where we wanted to go for the future. And so we have flipped that model right now. So we've got a, we've got certainly young people in the company. They are in some senior positions. They've built some tenure, as you said, but we're bringing a lot more industry talent in now. Yeah. So we're balancing out some of the Spokane only. They haven't seen anything but e-tails folks in the company. Yeah with folks who have been there and done that, you know, similar to myself. You well, know. as I say, Mitch Bailey, right? COO now? Mitch Bailey is a great what example he of, yeah. he's a COO, That's but like he that. started off as an intern. Yeah. And I, I spent went to 10 years there. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't know you were, I, I knew you went to, uh, Well, know. I went to Whitworth as well for two years. God. So two years when we were two years at GU. That's Graduated what, GU. okay, God. So there's that sneaky little. So little you left Whitworth to yeah, go to GU, okay. Yeah, for accounting, so. Okay, got it. Yeah, so he, yeah, he's a good success story of yeah. someone who's built tenure mm-hmm. in the company, has grown up there. But to balance him out, we have our CFO from Goldman Sachs. We've got a CTO who spent time at ADP. We've got a C- chief people officer who comes from Bank of America here in Spokane. So just bringing in some other talent to yeah. complement folks like totally. Mitch who have been there yeah. is really the need of the hour right now. When you, I mean, having someone like him who's been there through the every cycle basically right. of the company too I think uh, provides a lot I, but one of the things I would say from the turnover perspective outsider perspective looking in right is like we always knew details is like the place where almost anybody could get a job out of school and they right. paid you not well but it was a place to put on your resume right hence the 
the jumping, the tight turnover. But I think a lot of that went away too when they got bought out because people that were there that were part of the employee pool got money and then left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they they were gone. Yeah. And then with the FYE sale, at the time before I joined, there was a little bit of a layoff as well that happened, you know, at the time. And so there was a big transition happening in the company as to, you know, who do we want to be? How do we want to run this business? What are we going to do with FYE? Clean up, right? There was a lot of that. But as part of this transition, I think we're now at a stage where the attrition rate is is way under control. It's yeah. it's solid. We're getting some great talent from outside. Mm-hmm. Young, there's positions for younger folks as well to balance out. You know, some of the industry hires. So we've we've come to a stage where you what you'd expect from a growing public company. Now. Yeah, yeah. Right. which is awesome. So yeah. I love something you said there, and I wonder how COVID played into this as well. Probably in the positive for the company, mm-hmm. not that. COVID was a positive thing per se. Um, outside talent, coming to Spokane. Five years ago, nobody wanted to be here, right? right. Um, now people want to get the hell out of uh, Silicon Valley. They want to get out of Seattle. They want to get out of these bigger metro areas. Mm-hmm. And they can come and, and be in leadership positions in a publicly traded company here in Spokane with still relatively mm-hmm. low living costs if you're from outside the right. area good lifestyle um, and a good lifestyle has that made it easier for you to attract that talent so here's what the, what's been interesting since the covid situation we it's been harder to recruit locally just in general mm-hmm. not only for the reasons like you mentioned but folks locally have options now to go and work for a silicon valley company sitting in yeah. spokane yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's hard for us to recruit locally so what we've done is we followed the same model as others are doing is just open up remote positions everywhere in mm-hmm. fact today we were just looking at our employee census we now have employees in 14 states oh, now outside of How washington many employees total? We're 135 full-time and then we're supported by about another 20 consultants agent you know other other outsourced and some of that okay. but we have another 22 open positions as well which you're recruiting for everyone listening <laughs> <laughs> so go check out the website yeah. yeah but it's it's interesting that you mentioned is everyone's been following these different models so yes we've seen some of that people wanting to leave seattle leave the valley come up to spokane but then we've seen a lot of just remote talent, like mm-hmm. folks in Arizona, folks in San Diego saying, we want to work for Caspian. And, you know, we just have a offer out to someone in Ohio. And, you know, that's a okay. salesperson there. And that's been good for us in a way. How many full-time? I might have asked that already. 135, 135. Full-time right now. Yes. With 22 open positions. <laughs> and then Jeez. from a remote standpoint, do you see yourself downsizing your office or doing something like this where it's kind of, hey, drop in if you want yes. and, and making it more like a like a commune, if you like? Yes. like so here's our current plan mm-hmm. is it is a hybrid work situation. So the office is open. People are welcome to go to the office, use conference rooms, sit on their desk as long as they follow whatever COVID guidelines exist yeah. through HR. But uh, you're welcome to work from home. And uh, we are following that hybrid model. And at any given point of time, you'll come to the office, you'll see about 20 people are there or so. So people are choosing so to work from home. So is that why you were trying to eye this building? Because, the I, like, that, that's, conveniently close. I, I <laughs> love this building, but yeah. I, I do have a, unfortunate, unfortunately, we have a long-term lease with that other building, which we're stuck with for a period of Out time. the industrial park? Yeah, yes, yeah. in the industrial park, yeah. yeah. But that I was an interesting move for them. 
because the McKinstry was really cool. The McKinstry building. I think we just, uh, and I, I wasn't there at the time, but I think yeah. we just outgrew the building. At the time, okay. I think Josh, the employee count was like yeah. 250 or something like that at the time. How many? 250 almost. 250 employees? Yeah, at that time. So you guys dropped from two because I know there was a period, yes. I'm going to ask about that, where it's like, I mean, obviously 250 down to 135, it's like, ooh. Yes. So there was a revenue decline there. Correct. I'm imagining it. Because yes. like, I remember hearing yes. like, even from some of your prior private investors yes. before a company went public yes. I'm like oh that company's struggling right so it's like what happened why yes. were people saying you were struggling yeah so one was josh or private co-founder co-founder prior management strategy was to drive revenue at the expense of margin that was one of their strategies so there was a lot of revenue growth a lot of employees mm. to support that but it was not profitable revenue yeah. Yeah. well that's why you know folks like me and like we came in to help clean it up get the company into not high growth unprofitable mode but into yeah. balanced growth that requires some downsizing so we did a rationalization of all our vendors we looked at all our brands said that this brand doesn't make sense why are we buying inventory from this brand and so that caused a dip in revenues the employees went you know as a, a part of that so we stabilized to about 155 last year okay and we're still at that count with 135 yeah. Full time, but you know, supported mm -hmm. by seeking twenty two, seeking so, yeah. another twenty two, <laughs> seeing yeah. that multiple times. But uh, yeah, I think I think it was just a change, a difference in opinion on strategy. Right. Our strategy, my strategy has been very balanced growth as opposed to the previous management strategy. Well, I mean, if the might have been a high dollar margin, or but not a you know, but a low percentage margin based on those revenues, right? And it's like well, you can actually make more money by having less revenues. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the approach we've been taking. Got so, it. You know. Interesting. Okay. And I've always kind of wondered what was because it was a few years ago. I don't, you weren't CEO at that point, mm -hmm. but I remember folks saying like something's going on there. Right. Yeah. So really obvious question that arises from the hybrid work model. Do you guys require a certain amount of hours, or is it just project based? Just get stuff done. As long as it's done, we're not going to question we are, whether you're at your. We bed. are a delivery culture. We don't really care. We've, by the way, just to be clear, this culture at Caspian started even before COVID. For example, we announced to our company, we don't care where you work from. You can work from home. You can come to the office. You can sit in a coffee shop. You do whatever makes sense for you. And mm -hmm. as long as you deliver and you keep delivering the results, that's what we care about. I love that. Cool. And so it COVID just forced everyone <laughs> do, do you and no one, now no one wants to come back. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, do you find that uh, folks do a hybrid a lot of time or most of them stay at home most of them come most people everyone loves to be at home we ran a survey we ran a survey with the entire company as well to check with them what would they prefer it was almost unanimous that we would prefer to be at home we just love the flexibility we can come and work whenever we want and that's what I mean by kids. the hybrid model. Like yeah. they want to have the ability to come in as well. As and when they want. Oh, yeah, okay. So yes. people don't want to totally lose the office space. Oh, absolutely. Though. Absolutely. What we've And we've also seen, at, if you go to office right now, you'll see about 20 people in there out of the 135. But that was five people a few months back. So it's, I think, organically ah. people are coming in and out. They're, yeah. they're you know, testing it out maybe <laughs> a few days, seeing if it works. Which, great. Right, yeah. Cool. So we're just keeping it open. I think I'm the only weirdo that I, I don't like working from home. I hate it. Some I've, people I'm, don't. I'm yeah. much more productive when I have somewhere to go. So I use a, a co-working space. Um, even going to a coffee shop, I'm more productive sitting there than I am sitting anywhere in my home, even if I have an office set up. Yeah, a lot of people like that. 
they just prefer the routine of going to the office and you know you have a whiteboard there and you just interaction mm-hmm. with people and you know yeah. all that are you working from home or are you going in so it's been a hybrid for me too has it okay. <laughs> so like this week everyone's in the office we have meetings and everything but so you know typically in. i'll be at home so it just depends. Well, you got a cool spot in Kendall Yards. I mean, walk down, get a coffee. I love it there. I love it there. I just love it. It's been interesting just watching corporate culture evolve. And I would, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Ben, that finance, banking are really the, the only two that still require shirt tie, be fancy, you know, like you're going to dress like this as opposed to, hey, as long as you're not like you don't have body parts hanging yeah. out, mm-hmm. just be comfortable. Come to right. work, get yeah. it done. Don't be political. Like, well, think about just at Ten Capital five years ago when mm-hmm. we wore just five years ago. Yeah, you guys were suits I mean, and ties yeah, every day. It was a it was tie, and even today, like I wear jeans and a collared shirt most days. <laughs> like we had a photographer in today, so we, oh, that's we why. Had, yeah, yeah. It's like we were taking new headshots and everything, and, and you know, group shots for for the website we do. But yeah, most of the time, people are just. Yeah, wearing something uh, comfortable. Like, we'll wear polos because we're going golfing or something. I only had a board meeting. I'm like this or that. I'm in jeans and a T-shirt, yeah, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but our CFO who comes from Goldman Sachs, he's the only guy, even at E-Tails or Caspian today, who comes in a shirt and a, and, a, and pants. And yeah. I keep telling him, I was like, first of all, there's Goldman no Sachs. one in the office. And yeah. on top of that, you're at a tech company. <laughs> old, uh, old habits die hard. That's huh? right. <laughs> uh, the, so we work with Goldman Sachs. Right. And so when they come into the office, they're always... There's, there, and there's a few of the... I mean, that's really the type that... like It's the, it's the true... Mm-hmm. You know, people that are in the back end, money management, that are still that's right wearing that type of suit and tie. If some of the folks, literally, I know the corporations allocate every, for every new hire, like here is the card. Bonotos knows that you're mm-hmm. going to go buy three new suits. Wow, you're going to go and you're going to go buy three new suits. I would not survive in that culture. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> it's, I'm just like, Gosh. I love to dress up for an occasion, but right. going to work isn't an occasion. Going I to work in the morning. Yeah. I want to be comfortable. I want to yeah. be able to do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be sitting here clawing at my collar and mm-hmm. adjusting a belt, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't care how much money you spend on a suit. They're not the most comfortable to wear for long mm-hmm. periods of time. No, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I like so, it. Favorite place to go and eat in Spokane. That doesn't oh, need to be Indian food, by the way. Yeah. Now, I'm not a big foodie, just to be Uh-oh. clear. But but there's this one steak restaurant in 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 Kendall Yards, right in the corner. What's the name? You Baba? Know? Yes, that one right at the end there. Yeah. That, I like it's that new, one. It's newer. Yeah. Yeah. It used to go under one table. table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. table was a fun experience, yeah. too, though. So I like that place. That's yeah, it was nice. just a hard one to support. So Adam moved that because it's just a, it's a tough model to support in Spokane because we have a really good foodie culture mm, here, right. but it's a small foodie culture. Right. People expect to walk in and be served the way they've always been served for the most part. Well, I've heard nothing but good things about Baba, so i got to mm-hmm. try it. You said it's a steak place, though? Well, you, can, you can get steak there. Okay. <laughs> So you like the steak? I like steaks, yeah, in general. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited about the new Mexican restaurant they're putting in on the that's corner right, as well. That's right, Where's yes. that? So where Central Food was is, is going that? to be Mexican. Oh, who's doing that? I don't know. I've, oh, interesting. I'm absolutely You'll clueless. The, the only sign-up, sign like a week or so ago, I was like, oh, that's going to be a Mexican restaurant. Awesome. That's not going to be terrible. <laughs> it's not going to be. <laughs> and chips and salsa with a view. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure it'll be packed to begin with. But yeah, we, we've got we've got great restaurants here. So if you need any tips or, or anywhere to go, let us know, and we'll. He doesn't like. It. He just wants his steak. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm pretty simple when it comes to you food. You just have oatmeal yeah. in the mornings too? Yeah, that, you're, you're, you're right. It's oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's right. Like, yeah. And it's not, it's not, it's literally packet, packet oatmeal. <laughs> oh, it's, it's routine, man. Remove, routine. Do you have a set lunch too? Choices. Set, it's, it's typically a sandwich. Simple. Yeah. It's oatmeal, sandwich, steak. Sandwich. Steak. No, I don't know if it's steak every night, but yeah, you know. Living large, buddy. Yeah. Well, now we know you're in Kendall Yards. We'll have to take you out to lunch a few oh, times, introduce you to it. some of the places. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Because there's some good sandwich places as well. Oh, really Umi is supposed to be one of the best sushi places. It's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had them? Have not. That's okay, the one well, underneath, you. like next to Mary, Mary Hill and Kendall Yards. I just haven't Yards. been there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and um, don't sit upstairs. Go round and sit oh, downstairs with a view in the, the patio. That's a, that's where the bar is too. Yeah. yeah. That's great. But um, my last question was around reju- uh, rest and rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a demanding job. You're out up late at night answering yeah. emails. Case in point, I think I got one at ten forty something or eleven something. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. But uh, what do you do to rest to rejuvenate? What do you do for fun? So I'm because of my background in in film. <laughs> I have, there's an aspect I love. I love film, so I do catch Netflix, you know, on and off. I'll okay. I'll try to keep keep uh, up to date with some Indian movies and you know, some of that. So that's it. It's fun for me in general. But just from a re- rejuvenation perspective, what I've realized is as part of the CEO job because it's stressful. There's a lot mm. of you know pressure from people, and you know you want to make sure that you know your employees are happy, et cetera, et cetera. That you as a leader is, and your state is very important, and how you manage that. And so, being able to control my state, I've been doing a lot of meditation, a little bit of working out every day. Just some of that has helped me a lot. Just uh, be a better leader to my people. So, I think that has been a change that I didn't have before this, uh, before I took on this role. Hmm. So, I think part of that, catching up on movies, playing with my son. <laughs> favorite Netflix movie series so oh there's so many any that we're gonna know you will be very embarrassed I'll be very embarrassed saying this but I've been <laughs> watching Working Moms lately the newest Working Moms have you seen that one no oh, you gotta check that out it's pretty <laughs> interesting I watch very little TV <laughs> is it a it's a, it's a, it's like a Canadian it's a sitcom it's, it's a yeah you could call it that it's a sitcom so Canadian it's, it's all based it's not a movie it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a show yeah, it's, a, it's a sitcom yeah, so. check it out it's pretty fun it's pretty funny. Like, he's like, I'll be embarrassed saying this. Yeah. yeah. So no lake time or anything like that. You don't do that for for not a very out, except for maybe a walk on the mm-hmm. you know Kendall Yard side and some of that. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm a little bit of a less of an outdoors person, except for taking some good runs, walks. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. Good. Yeah. Well, appreciate you coming on today and oh, sharing a little bit about your story and what's going on over at Caspian. But yeah. that was my last question. Do you have anything else? I don't. I was going to ask about. I, not. I wasn't going to say rest and rejuvenation. I was going to ask what you do for fun. So that was the same question. Okay. Well, there um, you go. Well, thank yeah, you now, for having me. I appreciate it. Now that it. you've been sitting talking to us for an hour here, you realize what we meant when we said there's not really a structure. We just kind of jump around and I ask questions it. and. Yeah, we're kind of like squirrels. We'll dive on something and come back to something we talked about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. This and it kind of sparks, this connects in my mind. Multiple things are firing at once. But, but yeah, yeah I think what, what appealed to me about having you on here was the, the average to executive mm-hmm. um, kind of meshes with what we started this for, ordinary to extraordinary. Right. And it's kind of an infinite thing, right? It's like once you're the executive, you don't just stop. It's like, okay, how oh, do I absolutely. keep going? Right. And and you hit the nail on the head. It's I want Caspian to be a Fortune five hundred company. And 
you know, once you get there, it's now I want to be Fortune 100, and now yeah, I want to be next? number one. <laughs> well, that's that, uh, you know, that Simon Sinek idea again, mm-hmm. too, that we've talked about in the past. It's just incremental, continual growth, right? And mm-hmm. idea of goals. never, yeah, of, of never arriving, yeah, infinite goals. Yeah. No, we appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Anything <laughs> you want to say to, before? No, we wrap no. It up? I, I, this was a great conversation. I just loved it, and, and thank yeah. you for, and also thank you for doing this. This is not only just inviting me, but just having this podcast and everything. This is great. Yeah, we enjoy it. Sometimes. We've had fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you guys for listening. If you can rate, review, and share, we really always appreciate that. And until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. <laughs>